Okay, so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll be starting at verse 10 this morning. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we do thank you again for your word, and uh, we pray that as we study this morning that you'll open it up to help us to understand it, uh, to um, see the main points Paul is getting at, look at the problems that uh, he is dealing with in the church in Corinth, and uh, see if and any of that applies in our own lives, Lord, and, and to be aware of that and to um, uh, be submissive to your word in those things. Pray you bless our time now as we study. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so to get our context, we're going to read from verse 6 through the end of the chapter. And uh, David, I know you're, you're visiting. What we, what we do here is we each read just one, one verse and go around. If you don't want to read, just say pass. So you don't have to read, so... You want to start I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that did not that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you not why do you boast as though you did not? You are already filled. You've already become rich. You've become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. For, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are both for Christ's sake, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are just disrepute. I'm sorry, where are you? Because I didn't. I thought you were. Uh, on. Verse 11. First huh? Corinthians 4, verse 11. Oh, verse 11. Okay. Up to the present hour, we are bound both hungry and thirsty. We are poor and clothed, poor, clothed, rough, treated, homeless, and labor working without our own hands. We were all revealed and blessed. Then we all persecuted when they endure it. Okay. So 13. Okay, no, you just have to read one verse. So. Okay, 13. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I become your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. <coughs> That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Verse 19. Verse 19 says me. But I have. Let me see. But I will come to you soon, 
if the Lord wills, and I will know not that I talk but the power of those who are infused with pride, or the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Okay, and then I'll finish. What, it, what do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Okay, so we've been in a section where uh, the, the problem has been we, the, uh, there are arrogant leaders in the church. They have uh, divided the church up in factions, and Paul is dealing with them now. He's, he's been giving them, uh, the Corinthians, the principles uh, of, of what true wisdom is versus the world's wisdom, of, of the fact that you know, our, we're strong in Christ, you know, even though the, the gospel is foolish to the world, it's God's power. And last week we saw, uh, Paul really is uh, specifically addressing these uh, Corinthians who, who have, uh, are leading these factions. And he's, he's basically attacking their arrogance. You know, they think there's something special. They think they have a... a reason to lead because uh, they, have, they are special. Uh, you know, verse 7, you know, who do you think you are, basically? All the, all the gifts, all the special abilities you have came from God. They're not, you, you don't boast in them because God's the one who, who gave you these things. Uh, and then he went on in um, verse 8 and says, you know, you think you're rich. You think you're full of, you've got all these spiritual gifts. You think you've got all the wisdom. You think you're kings. And, and he's, being, he's being sarcastic because he's, he's um, like overemphasizing what they think of themselves. Um, but at the end of verse 8, he does kind of reflect on the fact that, you know, when Christ returns, you know, we'll rule with him. We will be kings. And so he says, you know, I wish that you were kings and I could be ruling with you now because we'd be in, the, uh, in, in Christ's kingdom. So that's kind of a little aside there from talking about their, uh, their arrogance. And then in verse 9, um, he started talking about, well, what does, how do leaders really uh, act in this world? How are they really treated in this world? Are they special? So he's talking about apostles. And he gives the picture of the uh, Roman armies uh, after they've been victorious in battle and they're, they're parading back into Rome and they've got all their captives with them and these captives are going to end up being sent to the amphitheater to be killed by the gladiators or wild animals. And he says, that's what we are. We're those captives. We're the least of the least. We're not ruling like kings. Um, and so that's kind of the, uh, uh, I guess, the attitude, the, the, the idea that we're going to carry on this morning in verse 10. He's talking about the, um, the actual position or the, the way uh, spiritual leaders look, are looked at in society. Um, and in verse 10, he, he really addresses the arrogant leaders, he draws a contrast between them and himself. So verse 10, it says, We are fools for Christ's sake, 
but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. So we have these three comparisons here. These are the same things we had back in chapter 1, verse 26. This, if someone like to read that for us. Chapter 1, verse 26. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Okay. So here we have those same three categories. Wisdom, uh, mighty or strength, and nobility. I mean, you know, high, high standing in the community. So he's going to address those three things. And, and again, back in chapter 1, he said, uh, we didn't ha- you, you didn't have that. There weren't very many of you that had that. So uh, that's what he's going to address here. So first he, he deals with, uh, he compares the foolishness with wisdom. And that's been one of Paul's themes uh, quite a bit uh, through the first part of this book, uh, the contrast between the wisdom of the world and what is seemingly foolish about God's plan. You know, the world looks at what God did and it says, this doesn't make sense, this seems foolishness. And so we've seen that contrast. In chapter 3, would someone like to read verses 18 and 19 for us? Let no one deceive himself if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age. Let him become a fool that he may become wise. And 19 also, please. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, who catches the wise in their craftiness. Okay. So there he's, he's, he's already told them, if you think you're wise in this world, become a fool in, in the eyes of the world, because God's foolishness is wiser. And so he's just saying, you think you're wise. Um, And so this is kind of, he's being sarcastic here because they're really not wise at all. But he's saying, you're so wise. And the word wise in in verse 10 is a different word than we've been seeing so far. And it emphasizes the idea of being thoughtful and sensible of really understanding how things work and go together. So they thought they were wise in the ways of Christ. They really understood Christianity and that Paul, on the other hand, was a fool. That's what they thought. Um, Now this word for wisdom um, is used in some other places in Scripture and almost in the same way uh, throughout these passages. Let's look at Romans 11. So he's, he's telling them that they think they are wise. And we're going to look up that word, this different word for wise. Romans 11, someone like to read verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. The partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Okay. Okay, wise in your own estimation. So there's that word this, this, that we have in our, in verse 10 of being sensible. But you notice how he uses it. You think you're wise. You're wise in your own estimation. 
So it's used in a way a little bit sarcastically. Let's turn to chapter 12 in Romans. And someone likely verse 16. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So there's that word wise again. That's the word we have in verse 10. And again, wise in your own estimation. Don't go thinking that you're so smart that you understand everything in Christianity. Um, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Someone would like to read verse 19 for us. You gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. Oh, 2 Corinthians. I was looking at 1 Corinthians. I mean, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 11 19. Let me look at the. Okay. And again, wise, that's our word. Uh, and, and here he's, he's talking about how foolish they were. You know, they think they're being wise because of the way they're interacting with other people, with, um, uh, with false teachers. But he's saying, you think you're wise, you're really not. So wherever else, you know, almost every time you see this particular word come up in Paul's writings, it's used in a derogatory manner. He said, you think you're wise. Don't be so puffed up about your knowledge and understanding because you're really not. And so it's the same way here. Um, they are the ones who really are the, are the fools. Okay, so back to verse 10. So the first thing is, you know, he compares, um, you know, we're fools compared to you. You're prudent, you're wise. The second one is the comparison of weak and strong, where he says, we are weak, but you are strong. And again, um, Paul's ridiculing their self-proclaimed strength. Um, Paul actually boasts in his weaknesses. Let's go back to chapter 1. Um, someone would like to read verse 25 for us. For the, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Okay, God's weakness is stronger than men. So that's the weakness that, that Paul, in a sense, boasts about. Um, they say Paul is weak. Again, let's turn to 2 Corinthians. This whole problem of them um, rejecting Paul's authority and rejecting his teaching continues on into 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 10. Okay, so he says he, he writes a tough letter, but he's really not that tough. When we see him in person, he's unimpressive and contemptible. <laughs> so they're putting him down there. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, let's turn to chapter 12, and someone like to read verses 9 and 10 for us. 
when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. Okay, yes. Second Corinthians, that's 11. Second Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, yeah. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Okay. So these leaders were saying, Paul's weak, and Paul's saying, yes, I am. But what you see is God's power working through me. Um, so they're arrogant in boasting about their own strength. God's weaknesses are stronger than their strength. And so Paul is ridiculing that boast. And then third, they consider themselves honorable. Uh, but you... You are distinguished, but we are without honor. So this word translated honorable or distinguished is based on the Greek word doxa. We sing the doxology here. And the point of the word doxa basically means glory. We glorify God when we sing the doxology. So they're glorifying themselves. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll see the same word where they think themselves. And here it's translated distinguished in, in my version at verse 10. But let's look at Ephesians 5 verse 27. Would someone like to read this for us? So that he might present the church to himself in splendor? Yep. Without or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Okay. In your, tr in your translation, the word's translated splendor. New American Standard, it says, the church in all her glory. So they consider themselves, not just distinguished, they consider themselves glorious. That's the way the word is used. <laughs> Man, why, aren't I something? I am, I am really, really something. Uh, Paul says, I've got no honor at all by comparison with you guys. So you can see, again, you can see his sarcasm here. He exaggerates this boasting about them, um, about how smart they think they are, about how glorious they think they are, and how strong they think they are, um, and how they look down on Paul as being nothing. Now, this letter is sent to the church. This is read aloud in the congregation. <laughs> so they're sitting there <laughs> listening to Paul ridicule them in the midst of the congregation. Um, this, so he's, this is really Paul's way of trying to utterly destroy them in public. You know, it's tough. Um, you know, you know, the word says over and over again, you know, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. God really doesn't like pride. He's his he gets the glory alone. I mean, isn't pride original sin? Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I will be like I will be, yep, yep, absolutely. 
Um, remember, you, you, what, what did God do to Pharaoh? Hardened his heart. Hardened his heart and totally destroyed his nation. You know, totally wiped him out. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was looking around the city. Oh, aren't I great? Look at this beautiful city I made. You know, next thing you know, he's out eating grass in the, you know, in the pasture. Yeah, God sent him out to put yeah, pasture. Um, and we have that, you know, that same emphasis here. Again, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Someone like to read verses 27 through 31. But God chose the foolish things of the world. And I skipped a line. Of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised, and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that you, do not, that you may not boast before him it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, um, you, who has become for us the wisdom for God, that in our righteous holiness and redemption, that is our righteous holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Okay. So, so Paul here is saying, you know, I'm weak, I'm foolish, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in dishonor. And he's saying, that's exactly why God picked me. Because... That way God gets all the glory. You don't get to glorify yourselves. Um, God gets... What's that? That's what I see today. Yeah. <laughs> I think of the contrast of Paul. He was very proud before God. Oh, yeah. God <clears throat> yeah. There's some of that already. So. <laughs> yeah. Paul had been proud of his, his legalistic upbringing, his Phariseeism. Um, and, that, and that passage is, you know, God gives us all these things anyways. Uh, you know, by his doing her in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And Paul says later, you know, when I'm weak, I'm strong because I, I walk in the power of God. So all these things that, you know, we, that they are putting Paul down for, he says, I have these things through God, through Christ, but not on my own. And so God gets the glory. Okay, so going on, the next section back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, in verses 11 through 13, Paul describes the actual sufferings and the true humility of a true servant leader. So reading 11 through 13. To this present hour, we're both hungry and thirsty, are poorly clothed, and are roughly treated, and are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. So he begins by talking about how serving God has basically impoverished him. He's, got, he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's poorly clothed. These, these are basic human needs. You need food, water, covering, clothing. Um, Paul does not always have them. You know, it's not, it's not just a matter of, you know, I'm a great spiritual leader, so I have wonderful clothes and a big house and you know, everything else I need. No. 
And he said, I, don't, I do not have these things. Um, again, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And would someone like to read verse 27 for us? 2 Corinthians 11, 27. In toil and hardship to many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Okay, so that's, that kind of mirrors what, we've, what our verse talks about. He, except he goes in, he's got this long list of all his difficulties in 2 Corinthians. But this verse talks about uh, hunger and thirst again as well as being ex the exposure, you know, um, not having food. He's cold and exposed because he doesn't have the proper clothing. So this is something that he did suffer. Um, and it sounds like it's fairly regular basis. Uh, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Would someone like to read verses 10 through 14 here. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Okay. So here the, the Philippians have uh, sent an offering on, on his behalf. And he's thanking them for that. Um, but he's, you know, again, he lists the, some of the difficulties he goes through. Um, being hungry, um, in bad circumstances, suffering a need. Um, but he gives the glory to God. He, can, he, he says, I... Um, I'm content. I, I know how to do this because uh, God has supported him. So um, we also see that you know he knows God provides. Down in verse 19, it says, and, "And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus," because God has supplied His needs. Okay, back in our uh, our passage, um, not only is he you know, doesn't have the food, clothing, water, or, or drink. He also says he's roughly or brutally treated. And this is kind of an understatement. <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll go into more detail as to what this entails. In our verse in chapter 4, he just mentions it. But chapter 11. Uh, so I'd like to read verses 23 through 25. We'll see some of these beatings he takes. First uh, Corinthians 11, 20. 23 through 25. For I received from the Lord. No, now. that's not right. <laughs> I'm sorry. No wonder you asked. Second Corinthians eleven twenty three through twenty five. 
Okay, 2 Corinthians 23. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23. verse 23 through 25. Wonderful. Okay. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a maiden. I am better one, for I am far labor more many. What's this? For wisdom beaten, nearly dead, many times, five times, I received 39 slashes from Jews, three times I was beaten with a rod by a Roman, once I was stoned, but many enemies, three times I was shipwrecked, I was spent a night and a day in the open sea, is that it? I think that's on? it. Yeah, that's that's good. So that talks about how he was brutally treated. Um, imprisoned. He says beaten times without number. He didn't even keep track of how often he was beaten. Um, and this beating is not the specific ones he mentions later. Um, in danger of death, he does mention that one time he was stoned. I think that was at Lycia. Left for dead. Uh, and some people think he actually was died, and that was when God took him to heaven. He saw the glory of God and sent him back. <laughs> so you're not done yet. <laughs> um, five times the lashes from the Jews. The Romans beat him with rods three times, and that was he was a Roman citizen. That was illegal. Yeah, uh, stoned three times. Oh, excuse me. Once I was stoned. And three times shipwrecked. So, you know, this is a life of a spiritual leader. Not what, not what the people in Corinth were bragging about. Um, impoverished, beaten. Um, you know, not, not a great life, he says. So finally, okay, they're roughly treated. And in the end of verse 11, it says homeless. Um, so he was um, an itinerant missionary. He did not have a, a home per se. He had a home church, Antioch, uh, but he wasn't there very long. Or he'd go, you know, he spent a little bit of time there. Then he'd go back out on another journey. Um, so he might stay in a city or a home church for a year or so, but then he was back on the road again. Let's look at. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. It's a three-time shipwrecked. I mean, that's, that's kind of going overboard almost. <laughs> Joe. Matthew 8. Matthew 8 and verse 20. Yes, it's not very bad. Matthew 8, 20. Yes. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay. So Jesus had the same kind of ministry. He was an itinerant preacher. He went from place to place. He said, I don't have a home. I don't have a home base to go back to. And that's kind of how Paul was. He was following in that same, same pattern, because that's what he was called to. Um, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this time. 
and uh, I'd like to read verse 5. Yes. One nine five, right? Yes. Do not we have the right to be accommodated by the Christian life like the others apostles, the Lord, brother, and Capricius? I don't know. Oh, Cephas, I think. Cephas, Cephas. or Barbarus, and I alone have the right to refrain from working. Okay. Okay, that's 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 far. Okay, not So here he he begins this verse. He says, you know, don't we have the right to take along a believing wife? So the other apostles did, but Paul did not. So even though he didn't have a home, you know, at least these others had their family with them. Paul didn't. He was pretty much on his own, you know. And I'm looking at the other things that happened to him. I don't know if I want to be married to this guy. Because <laughs> you'd go hungry and thirsty and homeless too. You know. You'd be bobbing up in the water. Yeah, you'd be shipwrecked. You'd be, yeah. It was probably better you know, looking at the things Paul went through that he did not have a wife with him. Um, but so he's, you know, and he's taught, you know, this is, this is, he's describing what is, the kind of things he went through. And again, it's, he's comparing himself to those so-called leaders in the Corinthian church who were arrogant, who thought that they were rich and wise and had all this honor and everything else. And he says, this, this is the life of someone who's a servant uh, for God. You know, God does not necessarily give you material wealth and, 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 and all that. Uh, so, you know, and that's what they had been bragging about. So he's, uh, he's contrasting himself with them. Um, and he goes on to say, uh, okay, back in chapter 4, verse, uh, starting verse 12. Nope. We're, let me get to the right chapter here. Okay, the first part of verse 12. And we toil, working with our own hands. So he goes on to say, he had to work to support himself. And, you know, the, the commentaries mention that, you know, in Greek society, uh, working was kind of below their dignity. That was for the slaves and the free, free men who were just one step above the slaves. I'm sure the church leaders, the so-called leaders, did not do physical labor. He says, we did that. So let's go back to Acts chapter 18. And chapter 18 is where Paul came to Corinth. So they would have been aware of this. Chapter 18, someone like to read verses 1 through 3. Stayed with them, and they were working 
for by trade they were tent makers. Okay, so this is where we get the idea that you know Paul was a tent maker, and we talk about ministries. It was a tent making tent maker ministry. That doesn't mean that they were making tent. It means, they, it means that they were working to support themselves. Uh, as it turned out in, in verse 5, Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, joined him, and they started working, and so Paul was able to go to full-time ministry. But he worked to support himself. Let's go to chapter 20 in Acts. Like someone like to read verses 34 and 35 for us there. Here he's talking to the Ephesian elders. 34 and 35? Yes. You yourselves know that the hands have provided for my needs and for those who were with me. In every way, I show you that the labor like this is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the word of the Lord Jesus. For he said, I am more blessed to give than for to receive. Okay. So this is one of those unusual places in the outside the Gospels where you have some red letters if you've got a red letter Bible. Mm -hmm. So it quotes Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, and so he's talking to the Ephesians. He says, you saw how I worked. I worked with my, these, these hands, my very own hands, um, ministered to me and, and to the men who were with me. You know, we were not a burden to you. Um, and he's also saying that, you know, I was doing this as, in part as an example. And I think that may have been because of their culture that looked down on physical labor. And he says, no, you want physical labor is a good thing. Because not only do you support yourself, but you also then have income so that you can give to those who are in need. Um, when we get to, uh, in 1 Corinthians, when we get to chapter 9, he's going to talk about uh, how he worked so that he could offer the gospel free of charge. He wasn't like these traveling preachers who um, would come and you'd have to pay to go listen to them. You know, sometimes, you know, even today, you know, we'll have someone will come to the theater and there'll be a famous author or someone and they'll give a presentation and so you have to go and pay to listen to them talk about what they want to talk about. And Paul says, no, I didn't do that. I gave you the gospel free of charge. And he, he mentions that, uh, let's look at it quick, First Thessalonians. Chapter 2. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter 2, I'd like to read verse 9 for us. And you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Okay, he did not want to be a burden to those who were, were receiving the gospel. He offered it free of charge, <coughs> total grace. So he was, in a way offering the uh, salvation by grace, but he is also demonstrating grace by not charging, giving it away freely. 
he, he says this again, still in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3. Would someone like to read verses 7 through 10? For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Ten? Uh, yes. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Um, I'm going to have to say I don't think that. It doesn't sound like what I wanted. <laughs> okay, Second Thessalonians. <laughs> too many, too, too many firsts of this and seconds of that. Second Thessalonians, chapter three, seven through ten, please. know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you not because we do not have the right to this but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example for even when we were with you we used to give you this order if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Okay. So here he is saying, I, you saw how hard I worked to support myself while I was ministering to you. And I'm, I'm doing this as an example so that you will go out and you will also work hard and you'll be able to give to others. Um, I didn't lead it. What is the passage about you who about those who were thieving, thieves. Oh, steal no longer. Steal no longer, but... Work with your hands. Work with your hands so, yeah. that, you, so that you can make, and again, it's so you can make something to give to others. You, so, you know, it's, it's not just, he wasn't just working enough so he had food to survive. He was working so that he could present the gospel without being a burden, so he could present it in, in grace. He's, and we'll, again, in, in chapter 9, he said, you know, what's my reward? What can I boast about? I offered it free of charge. I worked and offered it freely. And so also as an example, because it's, you know, their culture looked down on work. They were all too uh, indulging themselves, I guess. He says, you need to work hard, make enough to help support others. Um, now, he doesn't specifically mention that the, these so-called leaders were not working and were being supported by their followers, but we can kind of infer that that's probably what they were doing uh, from this. So. Okay, so we'll stop there. Um, he'll continue on talking about the difficulties he faced, but he, he changes his format a little bit uh, in verse 12, so we'll We'll look at that a little bit later. So. Joe, would you like to close some prayers? Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the way it speaks. It's a living word. We thank you for that. In there we have instructions of how we are to live our lives. Let us follow those instructions. Let us hear what you have to say. It's 
to your living word being spoken to us through your scriptures. So let us at all times realize that that is your voice to us and let it guide us and direct us in the way we should go. We thank you for this word. Thank you for um, Darrell ran forward today um, with the realization that, that what we have is is a direct, direct line of that we should be working. We should be doing things with our hands. We should be keeping ourselves busy. And Lord, let us at all times <coughs> be a witness for you, a testimony and an ambassador for you on this earth. That as we walk, we will guide others to draw interest to you and draw, <coughs> draw themselves to you. Pray for everyone next time. Pray for Robert next hour to come. And Lord, we just want to thank you for this time. We can come to your word. In your precious name, pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a I know. I